Welcome to Learning to Lead, a leadership development podcast by Cleveland Clinic. I'm Emily Grimes, and today in honor of Memorial Day, we're thinking about all those who have served our country and are no longer with us. We're also thinking about those who have served and are still with us now as colleagues and fellow caregivers at Cleveland Clinic. How has their experience in the military impacted the way they lead? My colleague in talent acquisition and Marine veteran, Andrew Gunther, sat down with Pat Rios, Executive Director of Buildings and Properties. Pat was a Navy captain and he and Andrew discuss his military experience and how it connects to his leadership at Cleveland Clinic. Here's their conversation. So Pat, great to talk to you. Um, happy to talk to the uh, Learning to Lead podcast here for GLLI. Um, I wanted to kind of jump right in here and get started. Uh, can you give us a little background? Tell us what branch of the military you were in and what you did. Uh, Andy, hey, thank you very much for the invitation to participate in this. Uh, always a great opportunity to talk about leadership. So um, I was in the Navy, the United States Navy. I was what is known as a Civil Engineer Corps officer, and I had the privilege of leading CBs, Navy construction engineers, and, and have had the opportunity on two separate occasions, first as a battalion executive officer, second in command, and later as a, a commanding officer of a CB battalion in Iraq, Afghanistan, and the Horde of Africa. Exciting times. And then I've had other leadership experiences in between. Outstanding. Can you tell us and give us a little bit of background? So what you do now and how that experience in the Navy is translated to Cleveland Clinic? Great question. So uh, part of being a civil engineer corps officer, when you're not commanding military troops, conducting what we called expeditionary construction uh, out in whatever place we happen to be in at that time, uh, part of my job was to manage um, what I do at the Cleveland Clinic, such just for the Navy. So I designed, built, planned, uh, did maintenance, did environmental services, real estate, everything that is part of my portfolio here at the Cleveland Clinic is something I've done just working in different types of facilities other than healthcare. Healthcare was just one component of what we did. Excellent. So how, how has that military experience helped you to be a better leader here at Cleveland Clinic? Um, I guess I would answer that by saying, well, one is you can't beat the experience, right? Right off the top of my head, I'd say uh, just what you're confronted with every day, what you have to deal with, um, and the fact that your career moves through successive jobs very quickly causes you to grow up quickly and and have to deal with things and get a lot of experience. So experience is key. Um, I'd say on top of, you know, the experience that you get, um, the military has a great way of just framing and thinking about things. I always believe in thinking about whatever, pick a subject, thinking about it in advance and creating a great rubric or framework to approach a problem. And I can, I can always even today go in my brain and just kick back and come up with a, some rubric I've used in the military that'll help me take an issue that I'm facing today and construct a solution following that rubric. So they're just very disciplined about how they approach problems, how they engage in answering questions. And honestly, uh, usually the framework leads you on a journey that gets you to a great answer. 
and then on top of that, I guess I'd say, um, obviously the preparing for leadership is just kind of the exposure to people, people of all different kinds and, and dealing with people because people are so important in this business. Absolutely. After all in healthcare now, especially with Cleveland Clinic, that's, that's our backbone. That's what we're all about, right? Is helping people out and, and making sure we're putting patients first and giving them a world-class experience. That and taking care of our caregivers, you know, uh, part of being in the military that's critical is always taking care of your subordinates, taking care of your troops, the people that are in your charge. And uh, one thing I've always admired about the clinic is just the focus from Dr. Mahalovic all, all the way down to the lowest um, supervisor in our organization, how focused they are on taking care of the people that work for them, people in their charge. To your point, I always kind of like to reflect on how our veteran candidates can enter the enterprise a lot easier because you can take that same mission team, teammate self ethos and kind of plug and play and be successful here at Cleveland Clinic. So uh, that I think that's helped people that transition into here from the military and also helps to retain them because when you, when you come here, um, ultimately it's not about just you. It's about what are we doing to make a difference? How are we adding value? And then how are we taking care of each other? which is pretty cool. I think there's not a lot of places where you can do that. Absolutely. The ethos of Cleveland Clinic is incredible. And, and uh, I have to tell you, you know, just in my time now approaching four years here, uh, I've really uh, come to admire that ethos of how we approach, you know, the, the, the care foils, you know, very clearly aligned with kind of the ethos that I was taught as a military officer to take care of myself, take care of my troops, take care of my equipment, take care of my institution. And you can't, you can't fail if you follow that approach to life. Absolutely. You know, earlier you, you were talking about uh, framing problems and how you learn how to do that as a leader. Um, when, when you're taking that forward here with Cleveland Clinic, how have you framed a problem? Can you walk us through kind of like a mental map for that and how you can build that framework and how others might be able to use that to solve problems in their areas? Uh, there, are, there are just so many, uh, so many rubrics that you can use. You know, I'll give you a, a basic rubric. Um, when you're communicating to people that something needs to get accomplished, uh, we used to have an acronym that, Andy, you're going to smile when I say this, SMEAC, right? Always Absolutely. communicate in terms of the situation, the mission, the execution of that mission, the uh, administration and logistics behind that mission, and the lasting, the communications of the team and how they're going to plan and communicate through it. We, you know, we get thrown fast reacting situations where you, you might have 24 or 48 hours. And as a leader, a lot of times, it, it, you know, a lot of leaders will spend a, a lot of leadership time uh, thinking about a problem. And before they communicate to, to people that are working for them, hey, I have these tasks for you to do. And there was like a basic rubric that was one third, two thirds. If you had three days as a leader, you had one day to communicate what needed to get done and you had you had to use that same day to uh, understand what they were proposing to you and to either comment on it or approve it and so two days went to the folks that are doing the the legwork behind the plan um, you want to give them as much time so that they can be responsive and they can have their time to think about things so those those are two very basic 
military rubrics that I, I find you know, useful in everyday life? How do I communicate SMEAC? Um, and then also how do I allow a, the team to wrap their head around a problem and how do they communicate back to me? Outstanding, thank you. Um, talking about leadership, you know, managing people, being able to build frameworks for solutions and things. Is there a story that you could maybe share with us from your time in the Navy that was either a coming of age kind of story or something where you really learned a lesson that maybe we might be able to take something away from? Um, the example I'll give you is uh, when I first stood a watch as officer of the deck underway on the USS Ferris uh, FF 1094. And I remember, you know, once again, incredible training, both schoolhouse training, on-the-job training, supervised mentoring and training, but then nothing is like that moment when you salute the person that you're relieving and you say, you know, I have the deck and the con. And suddenly that person descends down to go to sleep uh, in their cabin and you are it. It's middle of the night, you're going down through the Red Sea and you're on your own. At that point, I'm 23 years old. And there were 275 souls sleeping under my feet and they were counting on my decision-making. And uh, no matter how much training I got, schoolhouse on the job training, nothing prepares you for that moment when you are in charge. The stress of being in charge and, and suddenly the seriousness of the charge you've been given. And for me, it was huge at that, at that young age, kind of coming of age for me, like, wow, this is a serious business. People can die uh, in what I'm doing. And uh, it makes you grow up quickly. That's the only comment I'll make on that. <laughs> I remember the first time I assumed command of a CB battalion, and I remember you know, I had, I had great mentors in the Navy, Bill Peacock being one of them. And, uh, and I remember saying, Hey, I can do this command thing. I can be in charge of 650 CBs and we can go in harm's way. But I remember that the night after I, you know, raised my hand in salute and said, I relieve you, sir. And uh, I took command of the unit. And that, that was a defining moment as an adult where, I am on my own and I have to figure it out on my own. And that sense of being alone in that process is very uh, both chilling and inspiring and empowering. So a lot to be said there. Absolutely. Um, what do you think might be a very important lesson that the military taught you about leadership? Uh, I guess I would start off with, um, you can be a charge and you can be alone, but sooner or later, you have to trust and empower somebody to get things done. And um, it, it, the power of people, the power of letting people figure things out on their own and, and kind of let them wrestle with their own coming of age moment and just observing them and letting them do their jobs. I used to kind of joke to myself, you know, well, not how I would have done it, but it got done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's what was important. And, you know, and, and giving feedback, but to me, the power of people, 
the power of uh, relationship between education and training officers and experienced non-commissioned officers um, and, and the interaction between the two of them. Um, and the same for me when I was in charge, having someone that was a sounding board that had done it before and could give you feedback on how things were going. So the power of people, the power of human interaction, the power of relationships and how important they are to sustain you in the most critical of moments. If I have one leadership thing, it's just even though you're in charge, you're accountable and responsible, being able to let go to people that work for you to execute their missions and be comfortable that they're going to be able to do it. You know, you mentioned a little earlier having a, a couple impactful mentors, um, and I know you've done that through our Hero Experience program. You've conducted a lot of one-on-one -on -one interviews with transitioning veterans to kind of give them your perspective and, and, and your background and, and maybe some tips and some network nodes and things that they could do to, to continue to build their careers, hopefully here with Cleveland Clinic. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit more in terms of that mentor-menteeship uh, kind of mindset. How has that helped bringing that from the Navy and how have you applied it here? I know we just talked about the hero experience, but in what other ways might have you done that? Um, well, one, you talked about mentor mentee with, with regard to the hero experience and, you know, um, military is great at many things, but it, it is to a certain extent, very insular and you're kind of in, in your own community, your, your own culture, et cetera. When you're exiting that culture that's provided for you for so many years, particularly I was in the Navy for 30 years. So imagine exiting that, the protection of that culture and going out into the world. To me, my role in, in mentoring that hero program folks is, is more about getting them comfortable of where their experience relates to who they're going to encounter in the future. Um, second thing I'd say is also talking to them about communicating their experiences in terms that the rest of the world will understand. The military has its own culture, its own famous jargon. And uh, a lot of times you, you're just sitting there educating a young person about their experience and uh, telling them that, hey, well, frame it this way. Don't frame it that way. Someone that's not been in the military isn't going to understand what you're saying. Um, and I guess the other one is offering them an example and some comfort in that they can do it, right? That you can exit an organization that you spent a lot of time with and that you grew up in, and you can transition into uh, an organization and you can succeed. So there's that uncertainty that, you know, because you'd never have done it before. You can be as confident as you want, but there's always going to be that little bit of an edge. And I view my role in that relationship is to take a little bit of that edge off. Um, and, and honestly, I uh, would say just in general, mentoring is being the reality check and being the sounding board for younger folks and, you know, sharing your experiences through stories and um, and also sometimes, you know, giving feedback when feedback is required and helping them think through things that they might not have been as successful as they would like at and just getting them to learn from that experience and think about it differently. That's, that's critical for the mentor-mentee relationship. I think you're definitely right about that. I think being able to, to help people find where they can add value, kind of unpack those experiences 
um, have that sounding board, somebody that can take and digest and hear all of that. But then also, like you said, provide that feedback. I mean, maybe it's not a specific problem or a specific struggle or something, or even if it's celebrating something positive, I think it's more of, hey, I can understand where you've been and what you've been up to. Let me help interpret some of that for you. And then let me give you feedback to better apply that. Let's, let's you know, focus on where you can find value. Uh, which mm -hmm. is great. And I think without that relationship, you know, a lot of people do struggle, but I think that's one of the things that we're doing that sets us apart uh, in, in some of the, the military experience that sets us apart by bringing that mentor kind of mindset to, to all of our leadership positions. And that's the other thing, I guess, I, another comment I'd make to you, Andy, because, um, uh, you know, a lot of times when you run, you come across a, a, a fellow military person, you're able to clearly understand where they've been, what they've done. There's kind of an unwritten bond and communication uh, associated with that. And in a lot of cases, um, when they don't have that bond, they're uncertain how to communicate. And you definitely need to sometimes guide them. And I know I'm as guilty as the next guy about that is maybe not have communicated as um, clearly as I could have to someone that did not have the same frame of reference and background that I did. So I think it's just important to teaching those skills to former military people that are operating in a civilian context about how to talk to folks, you know, and, and not to assume things that are obvious that may not be obvious because they may not have had the same experiences that you did. Absolutely. You can't take anything for granted. That's right. And I wonder how many people are going to go Google SMEAX, you know? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's great. It's, it, it, it's, it's a great framework to use. And it's, you know, it's no different than in the civilian world if you haven't heard something. But because of kind of our, you know, shared similar backgrounds uh, with the military, it's, you know, we can smile when we say it, but it, it's a useful tool. But it's, that's something that, to your point, you know, learning to build and communicate effectively with everybody around you. Um, that way, everybody has access to those experiences and we can all learn something from it, I think is very important. So I'll give you a quick example, maybe useful. It was um, buildings plus design. We were working early on in the pandemic and there was a lot going on. Set up testing centers, expand our laboratory capability, plan for these kind of uh, emergent healthcare facilities. Um, and plan in dozens of sites simultaneously. Everybody was activated, but there was no organizing principle behind that. And so I remember um, just a cacophony of people talking, and it reminded me of being on the bridge of a ship and a joint operations center. Finally, everybody was talking. I said, stop. And we went around and we said, everybody's going to take a panel on this board and it's going to be their status board. And we're going to go around the room. Everybody has three minutes to talk and they're going to talk about their issues and people will have three minutes to ask questions. And we called it the lightning round every day, twice a day, we would get together first thing in the morning and at the conclusion of the night to plan the next day's work. I wouldn't have thought of that lightning round that effective communication amongst leaders and then issuing out tasking and making out decisions if I had not had the training that I had had in the military and it was very helpful to the team 
to know that you know this was where they could bring their issues and they'd get resolution immediately. If they had concerns, they could communicate laterally with their peers. It was a great coming of age moment for the organization I was leading at the time. And I had only been in charge of the team for like a week before the pandemic set in. So it was a, it was a new, it was a brave new world we embarked upon, but it was rooted in the military and actually people ended up enjoying it. And we became more effective to the point where we folded that lightning round into what we call our production huddle once every other week we get together and everybody goes around for three minutes. This is what I'm working on. Got questions, need to coordinate, make a decision. Let's get it done. Move on. So it was very effective. That's outstanding, especially for a new leader in a new area with the added stress of a pandemic. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's great. That you're able to have that, that reference point. Um, yes. I wanted to thank you for your time today, Pat. It's, it was great talking to you as always. I appreciate your support, both for the hero experience and then for Cleveland Clinic as a whole. Uh, it means a lot to us. And, and thank you again for your time. Thank you, Andy. Uh, one, I appreciate everything you've done for me since I uh, joined Cleveland Clinic. Uh, you've been a great resource. For those of you that don't know Andy Gunther, uh, we connected through HR and helping with the hero experience. He's brought a lot of quality candidates to our team. And it's been my pleasure to be part of that onboarding process. So thank you, Andy. Thank you very much. That's our episode today. Thanks so much for joining this conversation with our military veterans and Cleveland Clinic caregivers, Pat Rios and Andrew Gunther. We thank them both for their time and more importantly, for their service to our country. Thank you to all of you who are veterans, to those who are currently serving, and to you, our listeners, for spending time with us today. That's it for all of us at GLLI. Stay curious and keep learning.